Hello, my friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. This one for the third day of November. I'm Paul, and we're advancing towards the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We're actually at the end, the last few verses of the second chapter. Let me pick it up in verse 48 today. I read this yesterday, but I felt like I was kind of cramming. I try to keep the podcast relatively close, within a minute or two of each each day, about the same length. Let's reread 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And one of the most famous statements by Jesus, and it's 12-year-old Jesus, who says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, his father, his earthly father, of course, is Joseph, and his earthly father um, is a carpenter, and this isn't carpentry. Jesus has been found in the temple. That means the temple courtyard. He's not inside the temple. But he's been found sitting with the teachers, listening, asking questions, understanding, giving answers. And this scares his mom and his dad. It confuses the family. Three days gone. His answer that he has to be about his father's business is quite remarkable because, of course, he's coming into an awareness of who his father is. He's claiming now God as his father. That's a interesting claim. We do that now, but we do it because we take our cue from Jesus. Imagine being in Jesus's time. And also, it's interesting that at age 12, he knows his call. He knows what he's on the earth to do. Now, one of the reasons that he knows it is back in verse 40, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. He's been growing. And as he grows into a man, he's growing in in, in wisdom and the grace of God as well. The Father's business consumes the life of Jesus, but he doesn't step fully into it yet. There is an 18-year gap between the Jesus of Luke chapter 2 and the Jesus of Luke chapter 4. 18 years relatively of silence. Well, completely of silence in regards to Jesus. We don't know what he does between age 12 and age 30, but you've got to assume that he lives the life of a teenage boy in the first century in Palestine. And we assume that that includes loss and heartache and heartbreak. We assume that people in his family die, get sick, sometimes go without. I want you to keep that in mind as you go through the Gospel of Luke that there are going to be so many moments where Jesus does the miraculous as an adult. And those are moments when surely his family watched him and thought, huh, he didn't do that when uncle so-and-so died. He didn't do that when we needed money to pay our taxes. And you might say, well, how do you know he didn't do it? And we have extra-testamental writings from centuries past the event of the boy Jesus doing all these miraculous things. But if we're to trust the Gospels as the source of our sketch of the life of Jesus on the earth, John, in John 2, and John writes his Gospel last, 
And so kind of comes in and drops some things in. He thinks we need to know. And John's the one that tells us that the first miracle Jesus performs is the turning of the water to wine at the the wedding at Cana. And so we don't have 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old Jesus out here doing miraculous things. Can you try to put yourself in Jesus' shoes? I, I don't have any idea how he did this. I mean, you go, well, he's Jesus, so you're not going to have. But, I mean, he's a 12-year-old kid who's tapped into the reality that of what he's supposed to do. And it was confusing for them, too, because listen to verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They don't get this. He does. And I don't know how he does it. I remember when I was 14 years old, I started speaking at youth events, youth services and you know, the youth would go do service service out with the adults, and then we'd go to other churches and do lead singing or whatever. And I would speak because I could, but I didn't consider myself a preacher. You know, just I'd talk, give a little devotion, they'd call it. When I was 15, I felt like I was supposed to preach. I felt like that's the call on my life is to preach the gospel. And as the son of a pastor, my dad gave me the opportunity on a Wednesday night in April of 1993. I was still 15 years old, and he let me preach, and I preached like 45 minutes, and I knew this is what I'm going to do. I knew it at 15. Honestly, to, I probably should have been set down and told, okay, man, great. Now, live your life. If this is you, what you're supposed to do, go train for it. And it'll find you because God's not going to let you go. If he's called you, he's going to keep calling you. He doesn't change his mind. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But I didn't. And I jumped feet first in, I guess, head first in. And being in the part of the world that I was in at the time, I was there. You were young and could preach. Man, they'd use you like crazy. I preached constantly. A lot of youth services, a lot of youth rallies, youth camps, Sunday night services. Started preaching some Sunday mornings. Got a revival here or there. And that was full speed ahead, man, for years. And that that's fine and dandy, but it led to a burnout in my mid-30s of realizing, waking up one day and realizing I never really had a childhood. I was never really a young person. I was always someone trying to outreach my years. One of the most impressive things that this season I have, looking back on the life of Jesus, is the 18-year silence between knowing who he is at age 12 and his baptism at age 30. The fact that he knows what he's on the earth to do and he doesn't do it for 18 years tells me that timing is everything. And so I I can't change the past and I wouldn't want to. I'd mess something up. But my encouragement now to young people that feel led or called to ministry is watch it be done, train for it, and wait. Because when it's right, It'll be beautiful. And you could avoid a lot of the pitfalls and the heartaches. And you know, this doesn't this isn't just ministry. This is anything. Just because you know what you're good at or called to do doesn't mean you got to do it yet. Wait for your moment. Jesus' moment won't come for 18 years. The difficulty of remaining silent when you know your call is maybe the greatest contribution Jesus gives to the day-to-day life of the human family outside of showing us how to pray. And it's one of the most unheralded things that Jesus does. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Of course she did. She always has. We've seen that for two chapters. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God 
and men. I wrote this in my Bible a long time ago. Jesus, dot, 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 improved. (laughs) He must. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and with men. We talked about that the other day. Here's another moment of it. Now, tomorrow we'll jump into the third chapter. John the Baptist prepares the way. See you tomorrow. God bless.